All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire college football podcast, mwcwire.com. You know the drill, right? I say it every week. Twitter, Facebook. We want 100 likes on Facebook. We're trying to increase that to something. 100's not great, Matt, generally, but it's okay. It's a start, right? And I'm, yeah, that's where we're at. Hey, you know what? Wherever you get your updates from us, it's fine by me, but, you know, better to be connected. That's what we always say. Yeah, we have different stuff to go on Facebook than Twitter, and we're almost at the mid-season point. This is correct. Or is this, or is this technically mid-season? I don't know. We're, this is week seven for those keeping track at home. Yeah, it might as well be mid-season. Everybody's played about five or six games. Five or six games. So with that, I guess we're going to kind of do a mid-season show a bit, plus our previews, which are all encompassing of only Mountain West teams, which is uh, the first time all year that's happened, which is good. No thanks to BYU. <laughs> exactly. They're a quasi-member since they play, what, six games? Six teams? They're going to the boost the conference's win total this year. Are they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> not enough they don't win? <laughs> anyway. All right, so let's do this. We're going to kind of go over some midseason thoughts, um, pre half half the way done, obviously. Then we'll get to the six game or well, yeah, so yeah, six games this weekend. Every team's in action, which is nice. So we're at the midseason point. Um, since we're springing this on each other, because we we know what's going on, but we don't really prepare as much as we probably should, which is fine. That makes speak it more for your, speak for yourself. I'm saying to get together. <laughs> hey, I just mean hey, we're gonna okay. talk about this. This we don't we don't. Yes, I know you research. I research. I'm saying we. I didn't say hey. Here's the five mid season questions we're gonna talk about. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. That's fine. And you you probably do better research than me, or at least different research as well, which makes it good. Because hey. There's times people know it, and I know it. I wing it occasionally, and then hopefully it doesn't show too much at times. All right, here we go. So let me ask you this. Um, let's just go with surprises really quick. What's, like, your biggest surprise of the season so far of anything? Good, bad, player, team, anything that kind of resonated? Like, oh, this is interesting. Well, we might as well start with the positive. And I think, for me, the biggest surprise has been Fresno State. And if you want to call me a homer for that, fine. But, <laughs> okay, thank you for that. But, you know, I predicted them to be, what, 3-9 and nine this year? And they've already matched that win total. You know, and they've definitively proven, I think, that they're at least ahead in their year one situation than the other teams in that division. You know, I'm talking mostly about Nevada and San Jose State. You know, those teams, I think, at least in the first half of the season, have shown that there's you know, a lot of growth left. You know, Nevada's come around in the last couple of weeks. They've started to look more respectable. San Jose State still kind of looks a long way off. But I've been pleasantly surprised by how the Bulldogs have looked. You know, they've lost against the teams you kind of expected them to, and they've beaten the teams that, you know, people might have thought they would beat. And that's a credit to them. You know, they're already talking about in the local papers that there's an outside chance that they might go to a bowl game this year. And I certainly didn't forecast that. So for me, that's probably the biggest pleasant surprise. Oh, no, ask you, before we go on real quick, um, okay. is there any, because our guy Brian Swanson put an article about last week with Fresno. Are you going to retract at any point the worst hire ever in Mountain West Conference history? It's been five games. Exactly. I'm just, just asking because our reasons have been clear for not necessarily who the coach is, but how it went down, so. But yes, you're right. It is five games. And also, really quick, um, 
to, can we tell Barkboard Barkboard to settle down? Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, and I will. I mean, let's let's finish this really quick that part because there was a um, I don't know who it was. Are they a frequent commenter at all on that on that website? I wasn't even paying attention. I just saw the comment and I was like, oh come on. So here's the comments. Hey, Fresno State if they were on the table, they can go to like the Fiesta Bowl or something. Yeah. Uh, no, the, because, well, obviously, yes, those two losses, Washington, Alabama, tough teams, but they're not going to get high. They're just not, it's just, just not going to happen. The Rams have a, have a better chance of getting there because they're a much better team, but they still probably won't get there at 11 and two. Plus it's like, I told people like if people heard our ham episodes before I'll eat ham every day for a meal, if that happens. So I'm pretty safe. I'm in the clear from eating ham for the, for the next year. Yeah. But I get be excited, but come on expectations, right? Concentrate mm-hmm. on the Lobos, which we'll get to later on. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So what's your uh, other flip side of this? Your uh, poor side. I mean, I think my biggest disappointment to date has been air force. You know, I, I kind of expected that there would be questions about their defense but I thought that their offense at least would be enough to, you know, win a couple of games. You know, obviously they blow up VMI. And, you know, looking back at my preseason projections, I did project them to be only two at two and three at this point. You know, they go into this weekend against UNLV at one and four, so maybe I'm not that far off. If you're if you're feeling optimistic, you know, the second half of the schedule for the Falcons still does look a little friendlier than than the first half of it did. You know, they don't have to face San Diego State. They've already faced Navy. And, you know, even though they're projected to go three and four down the stretch over a football study hall, you know, they're still roughly 50-50 with Arby and Wyoming. And if they can win those two kind of coin flip games, all of a sudden that's five of seven going out, and that's still, you know, a seven and five season. So I guess we'll see, but... You know, as we'll talk about with the UNLV game in a minute, there's a lot of questions that I think are still lingering with regards to the defense, especially in Air Force. One of my surprise, my good surprises, I'll go player wise, not team wise. Okay. I need to give Christian Chapman a round of applause because he's done much better than I've ever thought he could. I tried to tell I, you. I, I wanted to see it though. That's that, that's fair though. I want to see what happens and. Like I mentioned, I part of it was okay. He may not be very good, which probably wasn't obviously not accurate. But I want to see him have a game-winning drive like he did last year versus Wyoming, which was very good. But then having him throw like this year, he's had three games throwing twenty or more times. His his only interception is I believe like a hell mary versus UC Davis, and he has he finally had zero touchdowns last week, his first one of the year. But he's game-winning plays for Stanford to David Wells. He's finding quite a bit. Michael Holder's finally helping him out. So him, like his numbers, like overall, like his, they're still not going to be eye popping and probably he's not going to be, I don't, he's still not the best quarterback in the league, but he's doing better than, even though he said preseason, I'm going to break out this year. I was like, well, I want to see it. And he's proven me that yes, he's doing that. He has one of the best QB ratings in the league. He's a basically second through fourth is close Rogers, McMarion and him and, and even drew Brown, but he's oh. 19 attempts per game. His yards per attempt is one of the best and the co- better ones in the conference. And he's just he's just making plays and not turning it over. Like, there's people say, oh, game manager, garbage, over dead, Max um, Smith. Like, no, that's not the case here. Yeah, 7-1 to touchdown ratio, which is great. 
touchdown numbers don't need to be eye popping when you have Rashard Penny. Rashard Penny. So he's like my biggest surprise. Like he's finally, and I've said it before, they finally got a passing game to make this team really, really good. So then, what about your what about your disappointment? Can I just say quarterback and say Josh Allen? You've been saying that for weeks. I'll, I'll have, allow it. I I have been, and I I even said in the offseason, like, be careful. He loses. I don't need to repeat, but everybody on anybody of his significance on offense, he's losing. I know guys are dropping some passes here and there, but again, I'll go back to you're playing like Oregon and teams like that going night what ninety yards, ninety five yards passing versus terrible teams. I know he can make throws and people love the size, but I remember Jamarcus Russell had some pretty big size and people loved his arm. I and mean, look, look what he did with Raiders. Nothing. And he's a, he and he played well at LSU. So that's my biggest disappointment because he's not living up to expectations. Not even close. It's not like he's just taking an average, like or being average or taking a step back. He's just basically like I'm gonna have my quarterback rankings up probably about the time this is out. He's gonna be behind Chapman, behind Nick Stevens. He still might be in my top five, but it's not close. After those two, I might even have, like, Drew Brown ahead of him because of what he's been doing. And I could probably argue Lamar Jordan, possibly, probably not this week, but he's probably fourth or fifth, basically just okay. And that's not good enough for people who, even though ESPN, like Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper still putting him up as, like, a top quarterback. And I don't I don't see it right now. That's fair. So let me, let's go to the next thing here. What's your... Uh, uh, what's like the best game you've seen this year? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, I think you have to at least give a nod to the San Diego State Air Force game. Um, you know, Air probably, Force is like in all of mine, just about. Yeah, you know, obviously the the Air Force Navy game that we talked about just a few days ago was a lot of fun. Number um, one for me, number one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think those are probably one and two, just off the top of my head. What about Air Force to Mexico, that comeback? Yeah, that was a pretty wild game. Um, You know, I might just throw Colorado State's opener against Oregon State in there just because it was a very big deal for them to open the stadium. And it was, you know, pretty cool just kind of following from a distance and seeing, you know, this facility be a part of the community now. Yeah, that's obviously the 58-27 victory. Um, I'm trying to see what other games off the top of my head that were pretty good. Um, there were, well, got Incarnate Word, your 66-0 drubbing over Incarnate Word. That's not a bad start for Jeff Tedford, obviously. Uh, Washington, Boise State, that that was a, probably one of the better games, too. There's a couple um, that, that's in the mix. Um, New Mexico State, New Mexico, to wait. The comeback came for the Lobos. There's been more games like, but Air Force has probably the, been in the best games every week of the year so far. Yeah. How close they've been, even even if you go to the Michigan game, they they made it reasonably close until the end. Five field goals in five in six red zone attempts, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's like the game you didn't want to watch at all that you had to watch a little bit of? I'm if you're talking about the worst game I've seen this year. <laughs> what's the worst? Um, I know we haven't seen every game. So what's the worst game you've seen? The worst game I've seen is Wake Forest drubbing or Utah State, That's because they just they just never looked competitive in that game. And obviously they've been a little bit up and down since, but that was really rough to to watch. I would say I'm trying to think of games I actually watched. I watched a decent amount of Washington State Nevada. That was just ugly and terrible because Nevada was just ugly and terrible in that game they were they had no answer that they didn't score until washington state put their backups and scrubs in the fourth quarter 
and that was uh, still during their quarterback uh, issues at the time when they're still trying to figure it out. So what's the uh, who would you say right now would be the player of the year? Is it just easy to say Rashard Penny and be done with it? Yeah, I mean he's definitely got the strongest argument. You know, I think if you really wanted to try and make it a conversation, you know, you could probably throw John Ursua in there. You know, just because of what he's been able to contribute to Hawaii out of the slot. You know, he's basically been maybe the most explosive receiver in the conference so far. You know, he leads the conference in both catches and uh, he's second in receiving yards, I think, behind Michael Gallup. Yeah, but, you know, he, barely, like by 20 yards. Yeah, but he, you know, he's he got a lot of work. fewer games, though, one less game, too, at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, I think he could definitely be part of the conversation. I think if you really wanted to stretch, you could probably throw Nick Stevens in there as well. But honestly, it's it's basically Penny and everybody else at this point. No Frank Ginda with his 100 million tackles so far? Well, I mean, I think he might be like a defensive player of the year, probably. I thought we were talking strictly about offense. Oh, I was going overall. Oh, we can go, we can go defense here. What about maybe Jalen Davis, five picks, three touchdowns? That's pretty good. He has been pretty good so far. He's been better. And he also has, what, six uh, – I didn't realize this. 11 pass defense and six pat PBUs. So he might – he could be a challenging Ginda for the player of the year defensively. I think you're probably right. You know what's interesting? I just looked at the um, interceptions. You know how I kind of – was looking at? Shoot. Um, oh, crap. I didn't have it up here. But Rod Smith, he's second in, like, pass breakups or something. Where'd it go? But yeah, pass defended – Despite me saying that one game is terrible, he's second in pass defense, defended two picks and seven PBUs. That's because Ron, that, Ron Smith is really good. Yeah, it was, it was an off night when he played against NIU. I guess that's what we'll go with. So what about freshman of the year? Do you have any sense of who you might give the oh. nod to for that? I, got, I didn't think about freshman. Then we got Armani Rogers as a freshman. Um, who else is a freshman? Give me some names here that I probably should have looked up before we started this. I always forget the freshmen or newcomers. Well, there's, you know, Armani Rogers. If you want to look at running backs, there's guys like Trey Woods, Ronnie Rivers. Our body from uh, Colorado State, maybe. Yeah, um, McLean Mannix, the true freshman for Nevada. It's been pretty good so far. Uh, for me, personally, I would probably go with Tariq Thompson. Just because he's really stepped into that San Diego State secondary and has made his opportunities count. He actually leads the Aztecs right now in interceptions, if you can believe that. Interesting. That's pretty good. They replaced some good guys back there. I guess I could go with uh, I could go Ronnie Rivers. He has four touchdowns and is uh, top 10 or 11th in rushing yards per game. It's pretty good for a freshman. He's been all right. Same five over five yards per carry. That's pretty good. I should have looked more freshman. I always forget the freshman new guys, but that's uh, pretty good. So I'm asking you this: What would be um, we, any any? Well, are there any other midseason stuff we need to exhaust? Head, head coach of the year so far. Okay, head coach of the year. Um, I don't think undefeated, right? Come on, it's it's got to be Rocky Long. Right? Yes, it's Rocky Long. It's it, no no question because they're six and zero. Oh. Um, yeah, six, sorry, I thought five or six. Six and zero. Oh, they've played well. They've beat everybody they're doing the right things and they are at least probably in our opinion they should be the top team in the uh overall in the group of five like a top 15 team so then conversely do you think that anybody is still on the hot seat i don't think so i, I matt wells would have been but beating byu and playing decently in the second half for csu gets him removed from that a little bit because they're three and three 
he's a close. He, like I said before, if there's a coach to be fired, it's going to be him because we have so many new coaches in the Western Division. Brian Harson ain't going anywhere. We know Rocky Long's not going anywhere. Calhoun, he can go to the NFL if he wanted to. And even if the Air Force goes three and nine for some reason, he's not leaving. So he's like the only coach that would probably best chance to be gone. And I would still say that, but I don't think he really is because they're three and three, and they could they play Wyoming somehow. We'll get to that game. They're favorite over Wyoming this weekend at home. UNLV's nothing amazing. They could win those two games. They could have five win five wins and still play Hawaii at home. So there's still a chance they could maybe sneak into a bowl game. But that's about it for me. That's the only coach that's where there's uh, maybe they're on the outside looking in. Yeah, and I think I would agree. The biggest question, which we seem to have talked about for weeks now, is can they be consistent? Because if they can, that's gonna that could make them possibly the biggest headache in the entire division out there in the mountain. But, you know, obviously we'll see how that shakes out. Also, really quick, back to Jalen Davis. He made the midseason All-American team from ESPN. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds about right. All right. And so should we get to games? Game time? Let's do it. Do-do-do-do! Games! That was weird, but let's go with it. <laughs> like we said, a completely Saturday slate, which is the first all year. This might be the only... I'd have to look by This might be the only all-Saturday games we have. But we're not going to look into it now. Let's get to games. Let's start in a numerical or... Well, time order, I guess we should say. Um... 12 p.m. Mountain Time because it's down Air Force. They're hosting UNLV. Falcons, seven and a half point favorite. Crap, I don't have TV on this game. Is this a root, uh, not root sports, but an AT&T game? Uh, you know what? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. We should have looked it up beforehand. I trusted ESPN, but if it's not on one of their main networks, they do not like to put it there, I guess. So, are you seven and a half? Do you think that's about right for this matchup? I mean, I think some of that maybe has to do with the home field advantage. By the way, to answer your previous question, it is AT&T Sports Network. You know, if you consider these teams on a neutral field, like, aren't they kind of even at this point? I would have thought the spread would be a little bit closer just because of the defensive issues that Air Force has had in the last couple of weeks. I think, yeah, I think so. Because I think UNLV has potential to move the ball on offense, but they're not... I get you play San Diego State. What are you going to do? It's hard to beat them. Come on. They're really good. But they showed at times like they put up a lot of points versus Idaho. They score points. But here's the thing. I don't think UNLV's defense could slow them down. And that's why the Falcons are favored by that much. Because the Rebels have, I don't think they have any answer to this rushing attack, really. Just because of how unique it is. And look what, like, again, go back to Howard and San Diego State, 40-plus point victories. Or points, excuse me, points given up. And most of that ground stuff game is going to be you know whether Lexington Thomas I think in particular whether he can get back on track after you know more or less being held in check by the Aztecs defense you know he did manage he still they only managed like 110 yards on the ground I think last week but you know he's still a guy who's averaging over seven and a half yards per carry and when you consider that you know in the last couple of weeks, Air Force has basically been dominated on the ground by both Navy and New Mexico, two other teams that like to lean on their running games. This seems like it would be a really favorable matchup, like the kind of game where, you know, it's maybe it's like a ball control game, but, you know, you got guys running wild up and down the field, whether it's, you know, Lexington Thomas 
or you know Tim McVay or Parker Wilson busting one through the middle of the defense. To me, I'm I'm kind of wondering, you know, who's going to be more explosive because Air I think Air Force has the potential to be, but you know through five or six games, I think UNLV has been the one that's really shown that they can do it, especially on the ground. You know, if you um, if you look at their explosiveness metrics on Football Study Hall, the Air Force is right around the national average, and UNLV is right outside the top 30. And I think a lot of credit to that goes to Thomas. So I think he's probably the X factor in this game. Like, if he can be the best player on the field, you know, UNLV's got a chance to go in there and pull, I, I wouldn't call it an upset, but to be able to pull off a road win. I can see minor upset, but there's a reason you mentioned all the points. This is the highest point total game projected of the weekend, over 66 and yeah. half. Yeah. So you have that going for him. You're right, Thompson. I think you're right on where it's going to be who's going to – not as well, time possession relative with Air Force. It can vary because they can score quickly in the, on the ground. And But like you said, Thomas, he's is he below eight yards of carry? Now he says, what, seven and a half or something? He's right around seven one. and a half. Oh, it dropped again. That's a disappointing thing. <laughs> Uh, but just really quick, like look at rushing defense. You Rebels give up five, just about five yards per play, which is not good. And they've given up oh, a double-digit touchdowns. you got Air Force, who's actually worse, six yards per. I get who they've played, which you said it's going to play New Mexico Navy, running the ball as much as they do. That six yards is a little bit misleading, but also 14 touchdowns. So maybe you're right. Maybe Thompson in 10 in the past two games and three versus San Diego State. But, like, even versus Michigan, San Diego State, four and a half yards per carry given up. So let's just say it's about that range. Because I think Lexington Thomas can do what Petty did against his Air Force team. So we're looking at five yards per carry, a couple touchdowns from Thomas on his own. And if somehow Rodgers can be a little more accurate, find Kendall Keys or Devontae Boyd in the passing game, you could be right because Air Force's defense has been hit or miss at times. Michigan pretty good, not good versus New Mexico, not good versus Navy. And I think one other thing that UNLV might be able to take advantage of in this game is that Armani Rogers has shown, you know, that he can take advantage of a beatable defense. You know, and if you look at his at his game logs, you'll see kind of like you'll see his numbers go up or down based on the quality of opponent. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't surprise you to learn that he was a lot better, you know, even though he's more or less a game manager against Howard, Idaho, and San Jose State than he was against Ohio State and San Diego State. You know, in those three games, in those first three games, you know, he was he's improved his completion percentage, first of all, in all three of those games, to the point where he was completing almost 70% of his passes against the Spartans. But more importantly, you know, he was up above 11 yards per attempt in all three of those games. And they didn't really even ask him to throw the ball all that much because the running game has been so good. So... You know, if you see him drop back into play action and drop 20-yard passes to, you know, Kendall Keys or Brandon Presley, you know, I think there's the potential that this Air Force secondary, which to date hasn't really been all that good, you know, I don't think they have any interceptions to date, which to me was kind of a surprise considering the kind of guys they had back there in the last couple of years. That, I think, could be a real mismatch as well. You know, it's going to be a real mismatch in this game. What's that? uniforms on the field. Air Force is going to crush the Rebels. Ooh, those uniforms are so good. 
They are. They're wearing the uh, F-35 Lightning II uniform. Is that correct? Uh, the y- official name. Yes. Yeah. It is. Though, I think we. I think I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. It's the. They have like six. Not six. This is like five uniforms. They have specialty ones. It's. I can't even tell what the guy is. It's just some fighter, like a box. They wearing boxing gloves or something with lightning bolts on it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't tell. Regardless of what it is, check it on Twitter. We've retweeted that or check out the AF. Uh, was it uh, AF football? They, they, I think they're starting to roll out. Maybe they're waiting for conference play to get these uniforms out. We assumed like Michigan or Navy and stuff like that. But check out uniforms. They're going to win. It doesn't matter. But I still got to go for Air Force for the victory because they're at home for one thing. And it's gonna be, this is going to be similar, I think, to the New Mexico game. Where a lot of points. But I think the difference will be, like, look what Arian Worthman did last week versus Navy. He actually threw the ball down the field a bit. So that's another wrinkle that's not always in this Air Force offense. He might not throw 17 times, I think, what he did last week. But if he goes 6 of 10 for 120 yards, that's a pretty big deal. And um, also before predictions, can we tell everybody to stop talking about Cam Newton and Armani Rogers? Stop it again. Troy Calhoun, stop it. He's a work in progress. I, I'll, just, I, I can, I'll leave I it at that. I can't take credit for this tweet. I'll just mention it's from um, who is, uh, Tyler Brishoff, who's from... Uh, the Vegas area does stuff for uh, Coach's Corner, uh, 720 KDWN. He, his, his assumption was that Troy Calhoun is going off preseason magazines to uh, scout UNLV. <laughs> so um, I say Air Force wins. Um, I got to give a score here, I guess. I will go the over-unders a lot, but I think it's gonna be still going to be close. I think it might be like 40 to 34. I see a similar kind of game unfolding. But I think that I trust UNLV a little bit more to be able to make a stop on defense. You know, obviously, you know, both of these teams are probably going to score at will on each other. And, you know, if it comes down to whoever has the ball last, I wouldn't be shocked. But I think that with what I've seen of both of these teams, at least in conference play especially, I like UNLV to come away with a really close win here. So I'm going to say 42-41. That'd be a pretty good game, 80, 83 points. Mm-hmm. All right, next game, Wyoming at Utah State, up in Logan, Utah. Uh, Matt was at Maverick Stadium, or, Mitt, or not Mitt Romney, <laughs> Merlin Olsen Field. Used to be Romney Stadium or whatever, but yeah, that whatever five-name stadium you are up there in Utah State, you host Wyoming. Are you surprised Aggies are a field goal favorite? A little bit. I mean, that's basically saying that they're even. They're basically giving them three points per home field. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this game's also really quick. It's on Facebook, so pull up your social media to watch the game. But I think we're still at a point with Utah State a little bit to, like, who are they? Exactly. Because while they smoke BYU defense, the backup quarterbacks in play, which it happens, the first quarter versus CSU, they're just terrible and couldn't do anything the first half down 24-7. And Rams are good, and I think the Rams just kind of pulled off a little bit, made it closer than what it seemed. But this is a game where, okay, here's where Utah State stands. If they're going to go to a bowl game, this might be the game they need to win because they're three and three. Uh, I kind of mentioned the schedule before. They still host uh, Hawaii, which is winnable. At Air Force is probably winnable at UNLV, winnable games. But you got to take care of home business. And what has Wyoming done to say they're going to be better than this team? And if Josh Allen makes mistakes like he has been doing a little bit or not throwing well, to mention Jalen Davis, maybe he'll have uh, some sort of a 
good stand with some picks or PBUs. I mean, you say that with 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 that particular matchup. What I'm wondering is if Kent Myers is going to be the one who can avoid turnovers in this game. And, you know, I'm looking at the difference in how well he's played, you know, not only at home versus on the road, but, you know, in the games that Utah State has been able to win versus the ones that they've lost. You know, to the first point, you know, I think it is worth noting that he has been much better at home than he has been on the road, which maybe isn't a shocker. But, you know, he's averaging almost three yards more per attempt at home. Um, he's His completion percentage is 10 points higher at home than it is on the road. And his touchdown to interception ratio is basically the reverse of what it is on the road. It's five to two at home, two to five on the road. And in the games that they've won, you know, you see similar kinds of really dramatic splits. So I think, you know, maybe being at home is one of those things that just makes a difference for this offense. But I do wonder, like, whether Wyoming will be able to kind of continue creating turnovers. Because if there's one thing that they've done this year, you know, Utah State's number one as far as total takeaways. Wyoming's right there at number two with San Diego State. Yeah, I saw an article, I forget who it was, probably from Trib.com or something. But yeah, the Wyoming's doing what they did last year, getting turnovers, touchdowns. I think the Aggies, are. The, I think they're, this may have been just after the BYU game, so before CSU, they had 17 on the year, only 10 last year. So maybe, just maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe this will be a defensive game. If teams like, say, Logan Wilson gets picked or Andrew Wingard gets an interception or something or who knows, stuff could happen. Maybe this will be a low-scoring defensive game, perhaps, just because of how good def- both defenses are pretty solid. It's just it's kind of hard to tell, like when you play Wisconsin or they're playing Oregon or something, to know how well they are. But when they play teams that are more on the level, both their defenses are doing reasonably well. And maybe jo- Ken Myers might struggle. Who knows, Josh Allen might struggle. Well, I mean, we know needs a rushing game because they're they still relying on, uh, what's his name, um, shoot freshman running back out there Trey Woods he's doing okay but he only has 245 yards on the year that's not very good I mean I think that I would kind of expect him to maybe continue getting more of a workload you know because obviously he didn't really play much until like the last month I kind of think he played at all in the in the first two games that they played yeah he had carries real quick 211 15 21 yards 15 42 135 53 yeah, so I think they're kind of expecting so him to be to the guy. More. I think what he kind of represents is something that, interestingly enough, both of these teams have in common. You know, we, we talked about turnovers and their ability to create them. You know, you're talking about number one and number two in the conference. But another thing that they have in common is that both of these offenses have really struggled to finish drives. If you look at points per trip inside the 40, neither of them are you know, at the national average. So to me, I think that that makes someone like Trey Woods really critical. You know, Can he be a guy who was able to kind of punch it in in short yardage situations like Brian Hill was able to last year? I don't know that we have a definitive answer for that. And on the flip side, you know, is El Toro Allen the guy who can, who can provide that? Because... Utah State's been okay in kind of short yarded situations. They've actually been much better than Wyoming has been um, by power success rate, which is, you know, more or less how teams convert in short yardage situations. Mm-hmm. So I think 
you know, those two guys are going to be probably the key players in the game. You know, if Allen can keep the chains moving or if he can punch it in from two or three yards out or conversely, if Trey Woods can do that for the Cowboys, that could be all the difference this game really needs with both of these defenses probably coming to play. See, I'm not sure who's the guy for Utah State because I thought it'd be El Toro Allen because when you look back, Idaho State, Wake Forest, San Jose State, he was getting double-digit carries, had about 200, just over 200 yards in all three games, only 20 versus Wake, but then he goes to six to four carries, BYU-CSU in the long hunt. We figure, okay, he comes back with 18, and then I get CSU only eight carries just because of they were down early, early, so I don't know what their real plan is. It's kind of split, but I thought it was leaning more direction toward Tor- Allen being the guy after game two, three, and four, but then dropped back. Regardless, they need either of those guys. They need a combination of those two guys to do well because it's interesting. You look at the season stats really quick. You have Allen, Hunt, and even Kent Myers all have 62 carries. Hunt has 63. They're all over 220 and 237 yards in that range. They all average about 3.7 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So they're like basically identical. It's kind of odd. So the running game, it's going to be somebody, but they three 3.7 yards isn't good enough. They need to be better than that, and they – and then look at the passing game for Utah State. They're throwing to anybody and everybody. Even Lawan Hunt, who's getting a lot of action in the backfield, is a fourth in receptions at 13. They need this offense, what they're doing. If the Myers can throw 40 times, they have everybody like Dax Raymond, Gerald Bright, uh, Ron, Ron Quavron, Tarver. They have a lot of guys to get the ball with. And maybe this, I think if the Aggies are going to win, clearly you can't turn it over, which is simple to say. You never want to do that. But they need to do everything on offense, run the ball. It's, they got to play their offense and and find a running back. I I know they're I know they're going to split, but that's not always the best scenario you want. You want to have a guy who's going to be, even if it's like eighteen to ten, you want to have one more main guy to back in. I just don't know who that is because touchdown wise, they're both about the same one and two for Allen and then Hunt. Yeah, and I mean I think one more thing that could make a difference in this game is the fact that. You know, Wyoming, their 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 pass rush has kind of come alive, at least in the last couple of weeks. And Utah State hasn't been great at projecting Myers to this point. Like his sack rate is right around ten percent, and they've given up more sacks than any other team in the conference, and it's not even really close. You know, if you're looking for a potential, you know, X factor on defense, keep an eye on someone like Yuhana Guy Fan who. Had a really big game before the bye for the Cowboys two weeks ago. You know, if he's a guy who can get in there and, and disrupt this kind of quick rhythm passing game, you know, that's the kind of thing that could, you know, it could put Myers on his heels, force them to be one-dimensional trying to get the ball out quickly. And if Wyoming's defense is good enough to cover that and prevent big plays, then I would kind of think they win this game pretty easily. They should. They could. Yeah, if you look at that, it's 20-9. and nine. For, for sacks in the game, and I'm trying to pull out to see if there's something more deeper than that. If it's just, oh, they got a million sacks against the one team. Apparently, I cannot break it down farther further than what I want to, but that could be a big point. You're right, 20 to 9 sacks. Both defenses are opportunistic, but I've seen Kent Myers play. He's running around half the time back there. Can't ever get us get settled. Exactly. And I guess we should mention Josh Allen at some point, right? In this game matchup. Is he going to force his, like, is Jalen Davis going to come up and pick it off, or is Josh Allen going to find success in this game? I I would like to think he could, but, like, the passing defense of Utah State, 
It's about basically in the middle of the pack. You can get two, just over 200 yards, 10 TDs to seven picks allowed and given up in that game for the excuse me, the defense. They are on the, on the lower end of the yards per attempt, but I just want me to have the receivers because if Davis is going to lock down like Conway or something, what's going to or CJ Johnson? Are they going? What are they going to do? I don't know if Wyoming can pass all that well. And that that might be my key for Wyoming is years and maybe get to the quarterback. I want to see if they can get a passing game in. They're not going to throw toward Jalen Davis, so who's going to step up and make a play receiving wise? That's where I think if they can get that going, that's how they're going to win. So how do you see this game going? I think Utah State's going to do it. I, I guess I really don't know because this game seems like both teams are just average at best. You know what I mean? Like nothing really stands out to overwhelmingly to me on either side. But Aggies at home, I man, yeah, I, I guess I'll go Utah State twenty four seventeen. I'm not expecting it to be a very pretty game. Nope. But I kind of like Wyoming's chances to get it done because I like their defense a little bit better than I like Utah State's defense. So I'm going to have Wyoming winning this one on the road. I'm going to say 20 to 10. All right, 20 to 10. All right, well, we're both well below the over-under of 51. That we are. All right, so next game here we got. So here's how your schedule plays out, folks. You got that noon um, Mountain Time, Air Force UNLV, 231 in Utah State. You got a huge chunk until... One, two, three, four game starts, eight, eight mountains, seven Pacific or later. See, that's when you just pre- you prepare dinner and you just you eat while you're getting settled in for the nightcaps. Well, watching the other games, ro- cooking something on the grill, do something, get out of your roaster to make the smoked meat for 10 hours, right? Yes. All right, so the first game, we'll go to New Mexico, Fresno State. Fresno State's favored? Is that right? Am I reading that correctly? It is kind of interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, this game's on AT&T Sportsnet. I don't see why they're favored because New Mexico's offense probably will pro- – I'm assuming they could probably do what they want almost at will against this Fresno team. I think it's it's hard to say if only because in the last two weeks, New Mexico has won their games in totally different ways. You know, yeah. in, in you know, two weeks ago when they beat Tulsa on the road, they did it with defense and special teams. And when they outlasted Air Force last week, a lot of that was because the running game was more or less back to where it was a year ago. So I'm curious as to which of those things is more likely to show up in this game. Like if I had to guess, I mean, I think that there's the potential for a really big advantage in New Mexico's running game versus Fresno State's run defense, if only because you know if you if you watched last week's game, like you know San Jose State didn't really do much on offense at all, but Tyler Nevin still almost gained a hundred yards on the ground anyway, and you know he was able to find holes in that defense, and I mean it's it's hard to say at least to this point, just how good the run defense is because you know, Nevada wasn't particularly interested in running the ball early against this Bulldogs defense. Neither was Washington. And then, of course, Alabama was, you know, it was basically the Jalen Hurts show. Yeah. So, you know, that's if you... a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, so I, that's the thing, though. I don't know just how much of a problem it actually is because if you look at the raw numbers, you know, yeah, they're third in the conference as far as yards per carry allowed. 
but they haven't really faced an offense like this that can really blow you away with the running game. And so if if I'm looking for something, I'm I'm almost wondering whether this is a huge opportunity for someone like Richard McCorley. You know, if he can be a guy to, you know, take advantage of third and short situations in much the same way he has been so far. And if he can avoid fumbles especially, I think he's a potential key for this offense because on the one hand, he's he has five touchdowns, which, you know, was owing to that big game that he had last week. And he's averaged six yards a carry, but he's also fumbled three times. So I think if he can take advantage of kind of the positives that he's shown so far and avoid turnovers, that could make a huge difference for the Lobos in this game. That will be. And one quick thing, go back to rushing really quick. It is hard to tell because versus Alabama, 7.8. 7. Everything else was pretty good. Like you said, like Washington, they mostly passed more than ran, but Nevada's been hit or miss, but... I guess I think the most comparable game, honestly, be Alabama for what they will want to do running the ball. Nevada is not wanting to run the ball that well. San Jose State, well, whatever, they're just terrible. But like I said, they nearly had 100 yards from one player. I think you're right. I think this could be a game because we haven't seen New Mexico really break out too many huge games. Like McCorley, what did he have, five touchdowns last week? But didn't have that – or two weeks ago. But he didn't have that many yards. He had, like, like 175. <laughs> That's not that many yards. <laughs> well, well <laughs> you're right. Well, I mean, for five touchdowns, you would think you'd have more, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I just know that he's been that guy to kind of run between the tackles and be their goal line back. And so I think that, you know, if they're up against third third and short situations, he's going to be really big because if you look at what offenses in the conference have been able to do, especially in third down situations, you know, neither team has been very good, which you know might be kind of surprising, especially with regards to New Mexico. Like they're only converting thirty percent of their third down so far. Mm-hmm. And on defense, you know, Fresno State's actually number one in the conference as far as shutting down opponents' third downs. But then they haven't really been tested all that much, so it's hard to say just how much truth there is to that. All right, so let's go to the passing game really quick then. Okay. We have Marcus McMarion. He's making his uh, next start. He's now the, supplanted himself as a starter, won two games in a row. But despite, okay, Nevada, not very good defense. San Jose State, not very good defense. UNM, maybe? Because I know Tulsa's really down this year. Maybe we're overvaluing that at the moment because we looked at Tulane score last week. I think it was, what, 42 to 14 or something, something ridiculous. How do you think McMarion stands up to this game where Lobos aren't they're probably a little bit better than San Jose or Nevada. Can he have another pretty big game? You're thinking? You think? I. You know what? I don't know. And the reason I say that is because you know if you look at his numbers on the whole, they've been pretty impressive. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that at least in the last couple of games, like they're asking him to throw on early downs. And he's been, like, wildly successful at doing that. Like, if you look at first down throws, he's 27 of 32 so far. You know, that's, like, 85% completion rate, and he's got a quarterback rating of over 180. That's about as good as it could possibly be. But on the flip side, like, when he's asked to make plays and move the chains, you know, his effectiveness has really decreased from first down to second down, and especially to third down. Like, he's only 9 of 23 throwing the ball on third down so far, and he only has three first down completions. 
something in there has got to change at some point. But I think that, but I think that there's, yeah, but I think that there's a chance, you know, if he's going to do it, this is a really good defense, I think, to do it against because, you know, they do have some individual talent, like Jalen Burrell, for instance, has five pass breakups, and you know, Jacob Gurgle has a couple of interceptions. But I still think that this is a, a potentially beatable defense overall, and so if he's going to do something about those numbers, like now is kind of like the time to do it. You're right, and it, that's true because, like, he played pretty. Like, we played against San Jose State. He did wasn't great by any means, but he did well versus Nevada week before, and even Washington. He was efficient despite the yards on being there, ten of sixteen. The, I think this is because I don't think the, I think the Lobos defense versus Tulsa was an ab- abnormality, partly because Tulsa's down and Mexico played pretty good. But I'm thinking this might be a lot of points because I they'll have success in the air. He'll move the ball. I think he could have a game, probably not. Probably in between Nevada and San Jose State. Probably not because throwing 75% of your passes being completed, that's a pretty big deal. I think he might have at least 225, 250. But I think the difference is going to be can Fresno stop the running game at all? And even Lamar Jordan, another week back, another week healthy from that concussion. I don't know. Do you think Fresno's defense? We already kind of discussed it, but with Lobos now, you know what I mean? The Throbos can throw the ball a bit. Is that going to be the main difference? Because we know they'll run well. And just getting the ball in the air, that might be. I think that's kind of the key. If Lobos go, what ten of fifteen or something, ten like eight of seven, eight of fourteen, something in that range could be a pretty big deal to determine the victory. I mean, I think you're probably right, but you know, the thing that Jordan's gonna have to avoid is that at least in the last couple of weeks, this the secondary has shown that it could punish mistakes, and you know, like it, it's it's one thing to to make athletic plays, but it's another thing when you're given opportunities to seize them. And you saw a little bit of that last week against San Jose state, especially where there was just some awful throws that, you know, they were more than happy to take advantage of. So I don't know if Jordan's going to be in a position where he's going to be throwing a lot downfield, you know, because a lot of what has made this offense successful, for instance, is, you know, they swing it out to Jay Griffin to the sideline and they have blockers in front of him and he's able to kind of, you know, catch and run. So the secondary, I think, is going to have to be ready for that. And that's going to put a lot of pressure, especially on the cornerbacks, you know, Johnny Johnson and, you know, Jaron Bryant, who, to their credit, you know, once conference play has come in, they've been really good. But this is going to be a different kind of challenge for them. And it's going to be interesting to see whether they can rise to this particular occasion. So what's your prediction? What do you got? I like New Mexico in a close game. I think both of these teams are going to be able to move the ball a little bit against these you know, against each other. But I'm going to say New Mexico wins 28-21. That's it? 28-21? That's yeah. all? Yeah. I'm going 40-32 to 32 Lobos. Oh, wow. Points. Give me the points. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this were like a really back and forth game like I'm not expecting there to be like any two or three score advantages in this game on either side nah, I just, yeah that's what I understand but I, I think it'll be close but it'll be a lot of points so next game let's kind of we gotta move along here we're kind of going along a bit Nevada at CSU the Rams are just gonna crush them right it's 815 ESPN2 Rams are over a three touchdown favorite 24 and a half points well the Rams well, my question is we both are gonna pick the Rams I know that Will the Rams keep it going in the second half, whereas they did not against Utah State? That's what they need to do. 
is beat. They need to beat a team like forty to fifteen or something. And I'm thinking this could be the opportunity they are wanting to do so. I mean, this might have, I should say this might be the Nick Stevens show. When, be. Like when you're considering just kind of how rough Nevada's been defending the pass so far this year. You know, by quarterback rating, they're next to last in the conference. You know, by opponents' completion rate, they're dead last. You know, they're giving up about nine yards per attempt. They just haven't been very good, and you know, at some point, you kind of can't really excuse the you know transition to a new defense anymore. Because you know, even when they were able to nope. win last week's game against Hawaii, you know, they still allowed Drew Brown to complete about two thirds of his passes. And, you know, eight and a half yards per attempt and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe they're coming around a little bit. But I think if they're going to have any shot, they're going to have to figure out how to slow him down. You know, and I think, you know, in the same way that you know, Fresno State's quarterback, cornerbacks rather, are going to be in a really interesting position against the New Mexico offense. You know, I'm looking at a guy like Foshan Crumby, who's, you know, started to make a few plays off and on like he's the only guy in the secondary with more than one interception you know is he the guy that's going to match up with Michael Gallup more often than not and if that's the case you know is he going to be the guy who slows down Michael Gallup no you know, no nobody's going to slow him down okay well, I'm glad you cleared that up <laughs> that's what I'm here for the obvious yes but I mean you know if he can I think that's where things really get interesting but that's you know easier said than done obviously here's one area where the nevada wolfpack may have some opportunity to move the ball a little bit misleading because um with kelton moore he had two he had half of his yards in last week versus hawaii 216 prior to that his game versus idaho state was not too bad 96 yards if they if he does the moves the ball obviously not get 200 plus yards again but they need him to run the ball well and perhaps just maybe because I mentioned before the stupid Jay Norvell in the passing game or quarterback play or rotation, whatever you want to call it, has been awful. Ty Gangy played pretty good last week. That's and true. Maybe, maybe they're allowing him to finally, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have burned a redshirt of Cayman earlier in the year. His QB rating is a uh, top, well, I guess, six in the conference when they have enough attempts. He has 10 touchdowns, which is third. Six picks, not the best, but they're, he's throwing a ton in the air. And maybe this will be a game where's opportunity because the Rams secondary does have issues. Down the field play was open versus Oregon State versus other teams that wasn't always converted. But maybe if I think if they're gonna win, that's gonna be he's gonna have like a game as good or better than than Hawaii, where he had two hundred and seventy eight yards, completed seventy eight percent of his passes. That's the only way they're gonna win, I'm thinking, or at least keep it close because I don't trust the Ra- the um, excuse me the Wolfpack rushing attack to have the same game they did last week because the Rams up front seven up up in that area the linebackers defensive linemen are pretty good and it's gonna have to be dumped through the air if there's gonna be any sort of upset or even keeping it within single digits or beating that spread of twenty four plus. Okay, so here's one significant question that I just forgot about until right now. What is it? Do we know what's going on with Jake Bennett? Oh, that's right. Didn't he leave with a knee injury? I believe. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking it up right now. Apparently, you know, he left from, the game last week from from the Loveland from Mike Brohart over at the Loveland Reporter Herald. I guess he's going to be fine. He just rolled his ankle. Oh, so ankle. Was, okay. Yeah, I was going to say like if if he suffered a significant injury, that could explain why the offense 
you know, kind of stalled out in the second half of that game. But if he's back, you know, I'm not really expecting that they're going to have any problems moving the ball against this Nevada defense. I don't think it would have been an issue, but uh, apparently Coach uh, Bobo was upset about practice this past week. Hmm. Saying they did not play well, so there's that. But, like, had Bennett played or not, there's Rams should easily win this game, right? I, sw- I want to see them play a complete game and not do what they did last week versus Utah State. So what do you think is going to happen? 40 to 10. Rams, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than... I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I'm going to say 40 to 28. Okay. All right, let's move on quickly. Let's um let's skip this next game. We'll go to that one later. San Jose, San Jose State at Hawaii. Um, if you're going to watch this game, I don't know how you're going to watch it unless you're in Hawaii because the stadium stream never worked, works because, you know, virtual VPNs and all that fun stuff. So we need a Periscope friend to have extra battery pack and stream the game for us, please. Pretty please. Yes, pretty please. 17 point favorite for Hawaii. 61 point line is pretty big. Or I mean over under, I should say, excuse me. Hmm. For for a San Jose State team who doesn't really score points. Well, you know, if they're going to do it, you know, especially if Josh Love is going to step up and and make plays, you know, in the same way that I thought, the, you know, the Nevada game would be the Nick Stevens show for Colorado State. Like, this is a really good opportunity for him because Hawaii's secondary has, you know, as we've talked about in past recaps especially, been not good. You know, they're dead last in yards per attempt. They're, they've allowed 17 touchdowns. They've only had three interceptions. They're dead last in opponent's quarterback rating. So, you know, if if I'm a Spartans fan, I might be feeling a little more optimistic than I would otherwise, just because of the fact that, you know, Hawaii's been really rough defending the pass. And, you know, if you know that you have a guy who can produce a little bit on the ground in Tyler Nevins, you know, if you can give him some help through the air, we know that they have receivers who can make plays too. Like if Bailey Gaither's back to 100%, we know he's a big play guy. You know, Trey Hartley and Jaquan Blackwell are young guys who've, you know, made some plays so far. You know, this is an opportunity for San Jose State to really take a step forward, I think. All right, you know what's something interesting? I just pulled this up because we had our San Jose State writer, uh, Anna Q, there at the press conference. I mean, I don't know how many people show up there, but she's been there every week, so hopefully I I just don't know how many people cover the Spartans, so she might be the only one there asking, asking questions every week, which is great because we're there – no, no, no. We gotta get. We can. We can shout out the spear. The spear is doing good okay. things out there too. I, I said not many. So <laughs> there's true. Here's one thing I just realized. I'm looking through her um, notes again. She had a couple questions. Two things, coaches. You do not have nuclear secrets. So give us a good update on Montel Aaron. Here's what he said. Uh, the quarterback, who I still think has an ACL tear, because we mentioned this a bunch, but apparently he's out of practice. So maybe that's not the case. He's a uh, the question, specific questions. Do you have an update on Montel Aaron? It's pretty straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't. I'm like, really? He's he ran around practice a little bit, so I guess that'll be the update. I don't know what his status is for Saturday. You're the coach; you should know the status, right? We're gonna play it out all week. However, prior question, because she asked about um, t- like aside from Tyler Evans, what other players uh, do you hope to stand out on offense? I'm hopeful it's one of the quarterbacks. Here's what he, who he says quarterbacks. Whether that's uh, Bailey or Montel or whoever, maybe Michael Sam. 
No word of Josh Levon there at all. Hmm. And then I pull I as with that I pull out the depth chart really quick, which I clicked the game notes instead. So what is that? What do you think that means if he doesn't mention Josh Love at all? That is an excellent question because I know in the past they've listed three guys, but at the moment Love is atop the depth chart still, and Sam Allen is listed as the backup. He is, and so that's an interesting answer there, Coach Brennan. So I don't know what to make of it. It's like, did he slip up and give us something that you didn't want to say? I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, I think conversely, though, they're going to have to figure out how to how to make stops in the secondary because we know Drew Brown is going to be able to get his. You know, the, the question, you know, as we've talked about at length in past podcasts is not about offensive efficiency, but, you know, A, whether they can stop anybody and B, whether they can prevent, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Like if they can cut down on the penalties by half, they're going to win this game in a walk. <laughs> they need more than half. Well, not to win, but... Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, like, they're averaging, like, 10 or 11 penalties per game. So even if they're still averaging 5 or 6, you know, it's not perfect by any stretch. But, if, you know, they've given up so much yardage just by dumb penalties that if they can just do a small degree of improvement in that, they're going to win this game in a walk. But, you know, sadly, that's still kind of an open question as to whether they can actually do that or not. I got three words for how this game's going to play out. How's that? Dyson May State juiced. End of story. <laughs> okay. He will rest. He'll, because Spartan's rush defense, again, terrible. Awful. Frank Ginda can't tackle him 45 times. Well, maybe he can, but it's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. He's going to run for... He could be one of the surprise players we didn't mention earlier. One of the best offense. Oh no, you mentioned him, best offensive players. But he's rushed. Or no, you mentioned Ur- Ursula. Excuse me, but he's sitting there right behind Penny, eight ninety two, hundred and fifty yards per game. He's gonna have a huge game, and that's what all they got to do. Drew Brown could just hand the ball off every time and be fine, and win the game. He has two. He has a pair of two hundred yard games, hundred fifty versus UCLA, and two forty one last week and four touchdowns. That's all they have to do. Hand the ball off, and you'll beat San Jose State. No easy, or excuse me, no issue. Very easy. So, is, is that what you think is going to happen? Yeah. So, what's the score? I think San Jose State might score a little bit, but it's going to be like thirty-one-seven. I don't know why there's sixty-one and a half points on this game for the over/under, but I think it's going to be like thirty-one. Well, thirty-one's hard to come by. No, thirty-one-seven. I'll go there. They got a field goal in there. Thirty-one to seven. Hawaii wins. You know what I'm going to do? Don't do it. I'm going to call this my stupid upset pick. No! Really? What are you doing? You're, you're always asking me for the stupid upset pick, and now you're telling That's me true. like when I when I don't when I give it to you. I'm acting surprised. Come on. San Jose State's going to win this game, I think. Because Hawaii has 427 penalties. I mean, I think that until they can prove they can stop anybody, you know, that's going to really hold them back, and I think. Like, we know San Jose State has talent. You know, it's a matter of kind of getting it together at quarterback, which I kind of think that the way, you know, the way things have played out for the Warriors on defense so far, like, I think it's going to happen. And I'm not saying they're going to win easily, but I think they're going to steal a win from the Warriors. So I'm going to say 42-41. So if that's the case, no bowling for Hawaii then? I, I guess not at that point, yeah. All right, move on. Let's move on to the game of the week. Let's do it. C- CBS Sports Network, 
Boise State at San Diego State, 7.30 Pacific. These teams have not played in a couple years. And Aztecs are a, um, I'd say, a comfortable seven-point favorite. That sounds all right. All right, so they haven't played a couple years. Do you consider this game any sort of rivalry? Well, even though they haven't played in a couple of years, I absolutely do. Because okay. you know, not only have they played really fun games in the past, but oftentimes they've had some kind of meaning, whether it was Boise trying to compete for a conference crown or you know, San Diego State trying to claw its way to the top of the West Division. And now it's almost like the roles have been reversed. You know, San Diego State, obviously, 6-0, and nationally ranked. This is going to be their toughest test of the year in the conference until, you know, presumably they get to the conference game. Obviously, they're odds-on favorites to do that. But they better be ready to, you know, strap up and, you know, be prepared especially for this Boise State defense. They they do. This, um, because they played Stanford, they beat Stanford. Stanford's obviously better than Boise State. Um... I'm thinking for this game because I was at the game last week. Here's what what's going for Boise State. Assuming Alexander Madison is healthy like he was last week, he had 100 plus yard, just over 100 yards versus BYU's defense. Yeah, they're down like a couple players, one or two I believe starters. They're still a pretty solid defense. He did well against them, mm-hmm. and if he's healthy, that's what they're going to need to do in this game because I still hate that they're switching quarterbacks all the time. I don't I don't like what they're doing at all. With uh, Mont uh, Cozart uh, and Brent Rippin, even though Rippin finally had his first touchdown, he hasn't been playing well. I just think they, because think of it this way, man. You mentioned the Aztecs freshman who's leading the team in interceptions. This defense, if you're switching quarterbacks, they're just gonna jump on that. Like they know what Cozart, he could throw a little bit here or there. Nothing like he he has more touchdowns than Rippin, but he's coming in to run the ball mostly. Mm-hmm. They're going to do whatever they do, like bring in Jake Rowe to play quarterback sometimes for a direct snap. I just think the defense is just going to – anything in the passing game, Aztecs will snuff out and take care of business. So Boise State needs Madison, and maybe if they're going to give it to Wopin, or even if Robert Mahomes can see the field after fumbles, that's how Boise is going to win. But I don't know if that's going to be enough because they don't have a guy like Bryce Love. He's still had 100-point yards. Nobody's close to what that is on this Boise rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, but also conversely, you know, it it kind of goes without saying, perhaps, but you're going to have to contain big plays on the ground from Rashad Penny and Juwan Washington, which to me makes this a really big game for Boise State's linebackers. You know, Leighton Vander Esch obviously is, you know, by tackles, he's had a very good year. You know, he does have three and a half tackles for loss. But if you look at the unit by by havoc rate, which you know, if, again, if you're not familiar, it's essentially a percentage of tackles for loss, passes defended, or sacks. Do you know where Boise State's linebackers rank nationally? Where do they rank? They rank next to last. Oh, that's not good, is it? It's probably not. I mean, <laughs> so I think that you know this is a big moment for not only Vander Esch but the other guys in that linebacking core. I'm talking you know specifically about. Yeah, Tyson Maeva, if he's back to 100%, and Gabe Perez. There's going to be a lot on their shoulders to try to keep Penny from getting to the second level. If they can do that, you know, we know that the defense can be stout. You know, they've actually been better than San Diego State so far this year by yards per play. Like, we know that they can stop the run. 
you know, by they're, they're again, they're better than San Diego State has been at stopping the run so far. Well, but also Bryce Love is on the other side of one of those games. That's true. And Washington State doesn't throw the ball, doesn't run the ball very much. That's also true. But like you know, generally speaking, you know, they they've shut down. You know, they shut down New Mexico, Mexico, right? Yeah, two under two hundred yards, you're right? So you know, well. maybe some of that has to do with quality of competition. But like, if they're going to prove that their defense is as good as the Aztecs' defense, it's going to start with shutting down Penny. All right, I got a bold prediction for you. Okay. Christian Chapman's going to be the best quarterback on the field Saturday night. Really? Yes, I'm on the Christian Chapman bandwagon. Apparently, it's because I don't like Boise switching quarterbacks. If you really think about, it, if you dig deeper, like I said, Rippin, he had his first touchdown of the year, and we're game what game six for Boise State. He was considered like the best quarterback two years ago as a freshman. He was one of the best quarterbacks last year. He fight, he took him this long to get one touchdown. His first touchdown, he had, he only has three picks, but and his yardage yardage is way down at one sixty one. He's just not very good. 50, his completion percentage is worse than Armani Rogers and worse than Ty Ganji at fifty five percent. Or no, wait, scope. Oh, oh shoot, sorry. I will retract that. I was looking at the wrong. I had my stats organizing correctly. He's at sixty percent. Never mind. <laughs> I take that part back. Okay. But the other stuff stands. He only has one one touchdown. His yards per player is um, not great. It's seven. And, again, switching back and forth, look at Christian Chapman. He doesn't make mistakes. Like I said, no picks outside of UC Davis, Hail Mary play. He's right there top third of the conference in QB rating. He he throws the ball enough about 20 times per game, not too much. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes like 14 and 19 or something in this game for like 200 yards. Okay. That might be the case because if the running game is as good, running defense is as good as you say it is, which we've seen it, if they could slow down Penny, because slowing down Penny is still, he's still going to get 105 yards probably. Yeah, that's probably so, true. And look, isn't that what he did last week? Like only 107 versus, uh, what did he beat last week? Um, UNLV. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't run very well, or relatively speaking, but I think Chapman can has potential to have a big game in this matchup if the Boise defense can slow down uh, Penny a bit, but. Penny will get his no matter what, but it's going to be Chapman to why they're going to win, I th- I'm thinking. He's going to have a better game than people think in, in this one. I think a lot of it is going to come down to whether they can keep Brett Rippin upright. You know, we haven't talked a lot about San Diego State's pass rush, but they have been very good so far this year as far as rushing rushing the passer. You know, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, the linebackers that have really stepped up. You know, Jay Henderson has been probably better than Ron Lee Laka Laka in the early going. He's the guy who leads the team in sacks right now. Um, you know, he has four sacks. Noble Hall in the middle of that defense has two and a half sacks. So, like, we know that there are questions about Boise's offensive line, and while they did look better against a pretty tough BYU defense last week, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that San Diego State's you know, front six, front seven, whatever you want to call it, is better than BYU's. Would you agree? I would think so, yeah. So, you know, if they're going to keep him upright, you know, that is going to give them a fighting chance. That and obviously avoiding turnovers, which is really what this defense thrives on and, and what this offense is more often than not able to take advantage of. So if they can kind of play a similar kind of ball control game and avoid making too many mistakes... 
could be kind of a back and forth deal, I think. You think Boise could score enough on this Aztec defense consistently? That's I mean, that's kind of the question. I don't know. Because the over-under really quick is super low, 45 and a half. That sounds right. I'm just saying, but yeah, seven-point lines, that's like saying, what, a 28-20 essentially, right around that range, 27-20? I think if you're a fan of defense, this is going to be the game for you this weekend. Not only because these two teams are really good, but, you know, because, you know, they're going to be able to play at a high level. You know, and you know, one more thing. I don't know if we're going to get to predictions in a moment, but you know, Boise State's another one of those teams that has benefited from great field position. You know, they're top ten nationally as far as average field position, but they're in the one hundreds as far as finishing drives. So, you know, again, if they can create turnovers for themselves, like we know, of course, Chapman is very good at you know taking care of the football. They don't give the ball very away very often. The Aztecs don't on offense. But if they can create opportunities for themselves, it's going to be imperative for Boise to cash those in, like with seven rather than three. All right, so here's why I'm thinking, kind of as you were chatting there, I was kind of configuring, like, who's going to, what area is going to, I know I mentioned Christian Chapman's going to be a big deal in this game. I think he can play pretty well. Looking at the different units, like what's more likely to happen? Is it more likely Alexander Madison has a, another 100-yard game, or is it more likely Richard Penny has 175 total yards, not including returning? Like I was going through, what's more likely? Is Rippon going to have two touchdowns or a, a pick and a touchdown or no touchdowns again, or is like said, Chapman going to go above his average with the over 200 yards or in that 200-yard range? Most likely it happens, Penny having a big game. I'm speaking offensively here, obviously, at the moment, but – if you go by what's likely to happen and what has happened, Penny's going to do what he does and get at least 125, 150 passing and receiving. And that's where I'm thinking, like, what's likely to happen? I don't predict or I don't expect Madison to have another huge game. He might play better. He might get the bulk of the carries. But as for what's most likely to happen, we know Aztecs will get a pick or two and Penny will have at least 100 yards rushing. As for Boise State, what have they done this year to say, I'm going to say I'm more confident that they're going to do this on defense because their defense is good but it's been young and they played terrible reverse UVA and they beat up on a bad BYU offense even though Tanner Mangum got back in for the start there was no receivers they need to cover and not that the Aztecs have this amazing receiving group Michael Holder's pretty good David Wells has proven to be a solid tight end for them being clutch and key pay- plays but what's most, most likely to happen Penny 100 yards Aztecs get at least two interceptions so are you calling for an Aztecs victory? Of course. Why not? Seven-point favorite? They're at home? You got the best player? Yes. So what's the final score going to be? Here's my thinking before. I'll get to the second here. I was all opined for a moment here. Um, I mentioned all year long, or at least last, well, not all year, but last couple weeks, Aztecs have gotten zero respect in the polls. More, They should have more respect. And my thinking was people are just scoreboard watching and, oh, they're beating Air Force, whatever. They're beating UNLV. Who cares? Yeah, they beat Stanford. That was nice. Got them ranked. This victory will get them above South Florida in the polls, guaranteed, even if South Florida wins. I don't even know who they're playing. They're going to they're gonna move up beyond them because it's a name team. I think Aztecs are going to win. Like I'm going to go, oh, man, 30 to 13. Do you think it's going to be that high? I think they can get 30 points, yeah. I think this is going to be a total rock fight. <laughs> and I think there's going to be a lot of field position playing going on. 
In honest, special teams too. We didn't even mention that. These two special teams are great. I was just about to mention that. I think the big difference in this game is probably going to be a special teams play. Which, again, well, it's probably going to come down to team? Rashad Penny. It's probably going to come down to Rashad Penny, if I'm being totally honest. Well, they got Rashad Penny. They got, um, oh, shoot, um, Avery Johnson for the other side. You got uh, Jawan Washington. And who's the other guy for Aztecs who I mentioned last week? Uh, Quest uh, Truxton, right? Truxton. Quest Truxton. Yeah, him, those three guys. There's going to be – I'm going to guarantee a special teams touchdown in this game. I think a special teams touchdown is probably going to be the difference in this game. I'm going to say San Diego State wins. I'm going to say 20-9. to nine. Nine, okay. <laughs> That's what okay. I'm saying. I think it's going to be like a really hard-fought game. I think it's nothing is going to come easy, especially the end zone. I don't. I just think Aztecs will get an extra touchdown or so. That's why I'm going a bit higher in the game. Let me ask you this really quick. There's some murmur talk, which I think is ridiculous a little bit. You know, um, Gary Anderson is no longer at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. has a couple of coaches saying, if I'm Oregon State, first person I'm calling is Rocky Long. Or this person no, I'm going to call is Rocky Long. Happen. Rocky Long, his response? Really? Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Basically, because I understand my situation. Also, I'm free, seven, 67 freaking years old, guys. I'm not moving somewhere else. It's like, not now. I'm building a winner. Building a winner? I'm getting up at age, like 67 for a coach. Yeah, guys coach longer than that, but come on. He's not. Had he been 57? Sure, that's the case. Even maybe five years ago. But there is a. I've heard people talk like he may. Long was considering stepping down like maybe a year or two ago. Mm hmm. But I don't – I was going to say, like, is that any sort of distraction? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Because they have the eye on the prize. They keep winning. They will get to the big money bowl game. Exactly. So, so real quick, let's wrap up here. We're at midseason points. Let's say the uh, Aztecs do win. They win out. They get the big money bowl game. What would be, like, your favorite matchup to see them play? Ooh, very tough. Um uh, <laughs> I mean, I almost kind of want to see them play like the best team that doesn't make the playoff, even though that is probably remotely like not going to happen. I think who would that who would that be though? Who do you think that could be too? Oh, probably someone out of the Big Twelve. Like, wouldn't it be either, really? Wouldn't it be either Oklahoma or TCU? Well, Oklahoma's already lost a game. Yeah, but are they out of position for one of those big money games at this point? No, because if TCU gets the playoff. I would, um, if you're going that route, I could see maybe Georgia being that team if they lose to Alabama. But they're probably going to the Sugar Bowl, so there's stupid tie-ins and stuff like that, sort mm-hmm. of. But so, who's your team? You want to see like the number five team play San Diego State? I mean, well, I mean, if you were an Aztecs fan, wouldn't isn't wouldn't that be what you want? No, they want USC. That's um, what they want. Then why would you want USC? You know, you could probably beat USC. Because it's USC and it's a team that's like eighty miles down the road. Yeah, but I just I don't see any reason why they would feel any kind of rivalry with USC. Because USC won't play them. I'm just going off what the, their fan base wants. They want to play USC in the Fiesta Bowl, probably the Rose Bowl, but it's a playoff this year, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could watch that game. You know, one game I'd love to see like Wisconsin or something. That'd be pretty cool. Do you think See, they would they, stick Wisconsin with the with the group of five team again two years in a row? Oh, there's that. Um, I don't care. Put the matchup. Well, there's a couple of things like the fit. The Sugar Bowl is technically Big Twelve. 
Well, I guess technically Cotton Bowl is Big 12 champ, sort of. But the Sugar Bowl has the Big 12 SEC. So I don't think it'll be a Big 12 team. It's going to be a couple of things. Like, they could go to the my, – my options are figured out. I'm thinking it's going to be either Cotton Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, or Peach Bowl for either of the teams who go there. If it's the Peach Bowl, they could play Georgia. If it's the Cotton Bowl, I could see TCU or Big 12 winner. If it's Fiesta Bowl, Washington or USC. I think if you're looking for maybe the most potentially, like, fun contrast to Styles game, if Washington State keeps winning and maybe they lose the Pac-12 <laughs> – yeah, that would be a super fun game to watch. That Aztecs defense versus that Cougars offense. Exactly, it's or Clemson maybe same thing, kind of a little bit, not as extreme, but a pretty offensive minded uh, outfit yeah, out there. In the Clemson's East going to Coast. the playoff though. I, I feel true. I'm just saying, but that if you're looking for that contrast, but that that yeah, Washington State. We'll see. We're still we're still halfway through the season. We got a lot more games to play. But I, my prediction, BYU, or not BYU, geez, I have a picture of the Boise-BYU game in front of me for some reason. I'm on their Boise page. Aztecs win. They will be, let's see, you put out your um, poll, not your poll, but your kind of watch guy for Aztecs. I'm thinking if they beat Boise State, because um, South Florida plays the terrible Cincinnati team this weekend, I'm predicting Aztecs will be higher than South Florida, and they'll move up at least two or three spots from the polls. Yeah, I mean, because if you if you read my my kind of watch guide as an Aztecs fan, I think Michigan is vulnerable as well. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they fell at Indiana this week. You know, I don't know off the top of my head who Notre Dame plays or anything like that. But you know, if they win, I'm with you. I think they'll probably jump South Florida. And I mean, if you're a Group of Five team, that's really all you need is to beat the team out in front. Yeah, and really quick, another couple opportunities. Baylor plays Oklahoma State. USC plays Utah. Um, Notre Dame, they're behind B- San Diego State, one of the polls. But they play really quick. Um, they're off this week. They play USC next week. Notre Dame ain't playing nobody. They, that's right. They ain't playing nobody. But there's a couple vulnerabilities. Uh, and like I said, Baylor, Utah could beat USC on the road. That'll be tough. Virginia Tech, they have one last team game real quick. UNC, yeah, they're not that good this year as what people thought they could be. But this will be the game where they'll move up in the polls, they'll get more points, and regardless of what South Florida does, they're going to pass South Florida this week. Guarantee it. I'm with you. All right, anything else we need to add on the show here besides I, all the other stuff we're going to say in a minute? I think we've given the people what they want. I think we're good to go. We're good to go. So we did sort of a midseason pre- recap show. We talked about all the games, all conference games going on. Check us out, mwcwire.com. Subscribe to us on Facebook, please. Give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Just let us know what we're doing. Blog Talk Radio, listen to our show. We, we appreciate it. We know who listens, sort of. But we want to know your name, so maybe give us a reply on Twitter, right? Let us know you listen this far or at all. And also, but, you know, if you feel like giving to our Patreon, we still got that going as well. For as little as $1, you can be in on our top 20 basketball cap or 25 rather basketball countdown which is going on right now that's right top 25 me and eli are working i've had some issues going on so our podcast kind of stalled for air force is our first one but we'll have boise csu and fresno within the next week so you can look for that as well so if you don't like football but somehow you're listening here at this point thank you but we also have basketball as well so you can check those out we got hoop stuff coming up too but yeah Again, mwcwire.com, and that's um, that's a show for tonight. And, yes, as always, 100% always, we're biased against your team.